presented by Matt Black. We are also the creators of the Shapeshift Report, and this is our little ditty where we get to chat with people we deem to be super interesting and very relevant to what you're doing today. I'm Chelsea Matthews. I am the founder of Matt Black, and today I'm sat here with Drea Sobieski, who is a marketing consultant and also uh, the founder of a, a really amazing new company called Elsewhere, which I will let her tell you more about. Um, but Drea, I've known you for a few years now, like it's crazy. five, six plus yeah. years. You've seen the evolution of Drea. I've seen the evolution <laughs> of Drea, which is really awesome. So what are you up to? What is Drea working on today? I have a few things up my sleeve, a few projects I'm working on. Um, I'm a creative marketing consultant, digital strategist, and I'm also the founder of Elsewhere, which is my baby. It's a travel and experience-minded publication. Awesome. I feel like you've become very enveloped in this idea of experience as it really kind of drives marketing and culture and all the things around that. I mean, I know just, what, maybe like a year, a little over a year ago, you left a nine to five, and embarked on this kind of idea of adventure yourself. I mean, tell me a little bit more about that. (laughs) That's so true. I think in general, in all aspects of our lives, you know, you learn things through experience. It's trial and error, sometimes a lot more error than trial, but um, everything you go through grows you. And, you know, leaving my full-time job was a huge leap. It was terrifying, but I don't regret a second of it. You know, it, one thing leads to the next and, I think it's helped evolve elsewhere in terms of its its ethos and the the message that I'm trying to articulate to its readers, which is that experience is what evolves us. It's what gives us character. It's what makes us grow. And, you know, even if you don't know where you're going, sometimes you just have to do things. You have to go. Yeah. How did you take the plunge? Like it feels like it's I, – I think I remember early days having conversations with you and trying to wrap my brain around like how do you – basically sell opportunities for you to go on really epic trips and create like great content for brands and you've totally taken it and run with it and and done so much more it's it's crazy again it's like trial and error and it is experience it's you know not being scared to take risks it's needing or being able to pivot if something's not working or if you pitch something one way to you know, go back to the drawing board and figure out how to pitch it another way. And then if that's still not working, like don't give up and figure out another way to do it. But I think I've learned most importantly in like in trying to build a business, especially a business that's built off of experience and a feeling that you really, you can't sit there and think about it. You really just have to like keep trying things until you find the recipe that works. Yeah, totally. So for this most recent issue of the Shapeshift Report, the future issue, you wrote um, a great little article about really how millennials today are consuming luxury in some form or sense in a totally different way than we used to before. Can you just tell us a little bit about that yeah. article and what your thinking is behind that? Yeah. So I, um, again, I guess this is like, again, stemming from my personal experience, but I see more and more of my friends, you know, spending their money on concert tickets and on food and wine festivals and Coachella and Yacht Week. And there's more and more activations that are popping up that are experience-driven versus consumer-driven or, I guess, centered around a physical product. And I think that's really interesting. I think it's a trend that people have noticed but maybe haven't explored in depth. 
And, you know, that's, it's something where in elsewhere, we obviously, we touch on it because it's a whole publication that celebrates experience and travel. But the marketing side of me is also like, how can, how does this affect brands who are trying to market to consumers who don't want to consume objects? They want to consume experiences. So uh, I think, you know, in terms of thinking about the, the future and the way that millennials are defining luxury and what it means to own something, um, they're starting to place more value on the things that impact them and the things that, that move them or that they connect with or that they can tell their friends about or share on social. So you have yeah. to get a little more creative these days. Which I feel like is something that really um, like hit home for me reviewing your article was that idea that part of what has instigated this is the world of social and our news feeds and the consumption of honestly all these like perfect situations being encapsulated in a single photo and therefore it like creates that desire to create those same moments for yourself. Yeah. It was really interesting. It's it's super crazy nowadays. I feel like, you know, you look at your Instagram and there's one photo of someone at Coachella with like somehow no one behind them in front of the Ferris wheel. <laughs> and then you'll keep scrolling. And there's a friend like in Croatia on like a beautiful raft. And then you go to Yacht Week and it's so crowded and everyone's, you know, in the background of your photo. So it's just things are a lot different on social than they look in the real world. And I think it's good and bad. You know, I think it it glamorizes some of these experiences a bit, which is good because it that's what advertising has always done. You know, whether it's products, experiences, cars, like couches, you know, they're always going to be portrayed in a certain way. Um, and that that's good. It provides incentive for people to want to aspire to be those things. Um, but I also do think that nowadays brands have a little bit more of a, an ability to use that power for good, to, to get millennials engaged in their brand in more creative ways and to make the world a little bit smaller by connecting people across continents and utilizing social media, not just to showcase their like shirts and products and whatever it may be, but to actually like build an experience around their brand and make it valuable. How do you create ROI? around that? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to, it's really hard to prove it to people. But again, I think it's, it's just a shift in thinking. It's people, there's always been advertising and it's really hard to quantify where your ad dollars are being spent, even if it's in, in Vogue or Harper's or, you know, you can't, you can't put a, a dollar amount on how much you're paying for that full page ad. But I think now, you know, instead of the the full page ad, it's it's this experience. So if you can market an experience as an advertisement and pull in other media partners to help you sell that idea. And I I don't like using the word sell the idea. I like to think of it as sharing a story because I really do think the recipe is simple. If you give anyone a good experience, they're going to talk about it, share it, tell their friends and remember it forever. And it's it's really that simple. And I think we have a tendency to overcomplicate things, but it's it's just about contextualizing like the the feeling that they'll leave with at the end of the experience. And I think some of that is priceless. I love that. I think that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you've really done like a decent amount of market research into this whole context. Like what what drove that? Was it starting elsewhere or what kind of made you interested in these statistics? Yeah, it was definitely starting elsewhere. I think in starting a business, you have to know your audience. You have to know what you're building for. And I had had a magazine in the past and 
it just, I, it didn't have like a solid audience. And I was, I loved everything I was writing, but I was like, who's reading this? Like it was kind of all over the place. And so in building elsewhere, I wanted to be really streamlined with like, I wanted to know who my target was. And I wanted to know what they wanted from me too, because it's a, it's a reciprocal relationship. And so I did a lot of research into millennial spending habits. There's a lot of companies who have done really good, um, like extensive market research reports. And I just, I, the more that I was reading about it, the more interested I got because I, it's contrary to everything that I had been thinking. You know, we're so inundated with brands on social and we're seeing like shoes and bags and like even like people's living rooms being decorated. And then all of a sudden, you know, all the research points to millennials not spending money on things. And so then I, I started thinking like, what are they spending their money on? You know, if they have, if we're the largest generation, then where our dollars going and it's into experiences it's into things you can't see but that you want to tell um and so that's that's what spawned the research and that's that's like what's driving elsewhere's ethos that's so awesome um so how would you say that you kind of take all of that information and everything that you're actually actioning through elsewhere and apply that to brands because you do consult and you're developing these strategies and all of that like how are you kind of selling this in that sense or how are you integrating it into that? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I think it's so easy for me to sometimes think that I do so many things, but at the end of the day, it really is just selling an experience and I do it whether it's for elsewhere or for a brand that I'm working with. Um, I think a lot of brands get caught up in selling their products and they're just trying to, you know, market one way. And with influencer gifting or, you know, traditional advertising, it's just kind of instructing them how to think a little bit differently and how to, how to maximize an opportunity with the same amount of budget, but to make it a little bit more impressionable, to also get content from it, to also build longevity, brand loyalty, and then have people talking about your trip forever. Yeah, for sure. So is it really like a lot of the strategies that you're looking at are really kind of about these ideas of taking a group or like set of people into an environment of some kind? Like, would you apply this to like a dinner party or would you apply this more to actually like hopping on a plane or getting in a car and going somewhere a bit further away? There's definitely different kinds of experiences. I always tell people though, it doesn't have to be far. It just has to be leaving your door. You know, like great experiences are right down the street from you. It can it can be a really cool dinner party that's maybe just at a house two miles from home. But it's if it feels special and if it feels like something that connects with you, if you're with your friends and it's something you want to take a photo of, you know, that photo is going to sit in your phone and a ton of people are going to see it. You're going to talk about it. You're going to share it um, because it's an experience. It's something that you got to do and you got to feel versus just someone giving you something to have. Mm-hmm. So you kind of feel like this isn't necessarily, you know, just for kind of the travel and hospitality sectors. Like it's really cross industry for lifestyle brands across the board. Yeah, exactly. I think um, now more than ever, it's about community and working together and coming up with creative concepts that embrace collaboration. And I think, yeah, for for material brands, whether it's fashion brands or interior brands or you know, tech. There's yeah. so many ways you can integrate creatively across the travel and hospitality sectors and, you know, leverage influencer partnerships, maximize your visibility. And look, all brands need content. 
whether you're an experience driven company or a, a brand. So, and would you say, okay, like not to jump back to the ROI question, but you know, a lot of people assumption, but a lot of brands might not take part in these kind of experiences because there tends to be a pretty hefty price tag. Like if you are producing a 50 person seated dinner, it's expensive. If you're trying to take, you know, 10 influencers on an amazing experiential trip, it's expensive. How do you kind of balance that from a strategic standpoint? I mean, to your just your point just now is like you're creating, you're getting a ton of content from it. So yeah. Think about it in the realm of like what a photo shoot might cost you to capture X versus like what you're getting and getting so much more of. Like what are the kind of exactly. areas of measurement that you look at from the pre-sell? When a brand comes to you, it doesn't really matter what budget they have. If it's 5000 if it's 50000 or 500000 I tell people there's always a way to make something work. Obviously, you know, if you have a bigger spend, you can create a bigger experience, which will probably create some more kind of like creative and compelling content. But it doesn't have to be that way, I don't think. I think nowadays a lot of brands are just, you know, they're gifting or they're paying for straight posts or ad buys or thinking very linearly, like paying for a photo shoot, paying for, you know, an influencer or a couple to post, paying for... Facebook ad buys, but there's ways now to do all of that in one and kind of hit on all those areas. And I think people are also a lot more interested in working with you when you can offer them something more than just the object. So, um, you know, historically I found that people are more excited when you're offering them, you know, a trip or even just like some kind of like cool get out of the house thing, even if it's like a surf trip, you know, at the beach or something like that they're more excited and more willing to participate than it would be if you were just, you know, sending something to their house and asking them to do work. Totally. Is there a specific kind of campaign or experience that you've developed that you feel was really successful or like really kind of helps package up everything that you're talking about? Yeah. And that's, that's actually probably the easiest way to summarize it. Um, a few months ago, we did a trip, um, to Asia, with a really notable, amazing jet setter girl. Um, She was super cool. We had a clothing brand sponsor it. Um, And, you know, contractually, you know, we had a deal memo set out. We had certain obligations and requirements. We had a certain amount of images promised to the brand. Um, And what ended up happening is, you know, you're there for so long and it's such a new experience and it's so exciting and exotic that everybody was tripled the amount of posts that they were required to do. The brand got three times as much content and the total impressions were over 500,000. So it was extremely impactful. It was, you know, I'd say quantitatively, you know, it was better for them strategically than doing a a linear ad buy. Um, And just the results you see from people being excited about an experience, they're going to, they're going to want to share it and talk about it. Totally. That's awesome. Well, I kind of want to round up with a totally different question, something that I love to cue every once in a while. If you were to have no obligations from a financial standpoint, like you didn't have to think about money, but you had a year to just like fully divulge into either learning something or doing something, what would it be? Oh man, that's such a good question. Slash my dream. (laughs) 
<laughs> me I'm too. Like, is there a surprise at the end of this where you tell me something? <laughs> There's no surprise and delight. I'm sorry. American Express has not funded this podcast. A year of, <laughs> a year of eat, pray, love. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like that's, that's what I'm on the road to start doing. You know, I, in my dream world, I want to tell stories from people all over the world, not just here. I want to, I want to curate a community of people who are excellent storytellers, who are well-traveled, who have met amazing artisans and chefs and painters and entrepreneurs and architects and whoever they may be in different countries. And if there's anything that I could do in a year or in my life, it would be to make the world a little bit smaller for people and encourage people to, to get out there and just to do things. Cool. I love that. Okay. So the final finale, quick fire questions with Drea Sobieski. Bring it on. What's your comfort food? Macaroni and cheese. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Always. Anything cheese. Cheese and wine. Yeah. Macaroni and cheese and wine. For sure. Um, doppelganger? I get um, Kate Hudson from Almost Famous and Laura Dern from Jurassic Park. And that's mm. why I don't wear khaki. <laughs> it's a great movie though it is great time. movie but not when everyone tells you you look like the girl that was fighting dinosaurs <laughs> okay and the last book that you read um i read the architecture of happiness by alain de baton who's one of my favorite authors and that everybody should read cool <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and your insight. I want to hop a plane and go somewhere super, come, come super fun. Have yeah. you been elsewhere yet? I have not been elsewhere. <laughs> I will come elsewhere. Deal. So you guys have to be sure to check out Drea's article on the most recent issue of the Shapeshift Report. Um, don't forget, it's www.shapeshiftreport.co. Andrea, where can peeps find you? How can they follow along? You can find me elsewhere. <laughs> Instagram.com slash elsewhere. Awesome. 